Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,751. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today, I'm in North Hills, California, with a very special guest by the name of Bud Brutzman. Bud, welcome to Cars Yeah. Are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am. I'm very, I feel very special. I was thinking about that. Yeah, very special. <laughs> you are very special. You are, for sure. Well, we're going to have some fun here. Before I give you a proper introduction and we dive into your life, I'm going to ask you this. Tell me one little thing that most people don't know about you. Oh, the one little thing that people don't know about me is that I'm incredibly nice and incredibly giving, but not many people stick around long enough to uh, understand <laughs> that about me. Okay, then that begs the question, why do most people not stick around long enough to learn the sweet, nice guy that you are? Uh, I don't know. You know people are usually uh, fairly vapid, and they uh, they get around me, and they see the rough exterior and the big words and, and the four-letter words and all the fun stuff, and that scares them away, and then they miss out on all, miss out on all the good stuff. Well, we're going to get past that, and I'll tell you, uh, I'm going to say this to my one of my listeners named Chris, who is very sensitive to four-letter words, that I've asked Bud to do his best, because he said, I don't know if I'm going to get through this show, to do his best to keep it family-friendly, so... That's my challenge to you today, bud. So we'll see how we do, okay? Good challenge. Yeah. All right, there we go. Let me give you a proper introduction, my friend, and we're going to dive into your life because you've got quite an exciting life. Bud Brutzman is the CEO of Brentwood Communications International, known as BCII TV. He is an entrepreneur, a producer, a military buff, off-road racer, and an author. He's written three books on the Navy SEALs, created a special task force to rescue climbers on Mount Everest and in Mexico on the Baja California Peninsula. He started producing television back in 1992 and has produced over 60 TV shows and commercial projects, including Overhauling, you've all heard of that, Rides, Hot Rod TV, Extreme RVs, Score World Desert Championship, we'll get into that in a minute, Dust to Glory, Animal Storm Squad, Flipping RVs, and so many more. He's involved in the professional off-road racing world and won first in class at the Score Baja 1000, and he was a team driver in 2008 on the Raptor Development Team. We'll be back in just a minute to talk with Bud, but first a word from our valued sponsor. So sit tight. We're going to have a fun ride today. We'll be right back. Did you know Covercraft offers you much more than just car covers? They make quality protection for the inside of your vehicle as well. Their plush custom fit floor mats turn any ride into something special or choose Premier Berber custom floor mats. They're a favorite of mine. Covercraft floor mats are quality made and provide your ride with the ultimate protection from moisture, dirt, mud, snow, and slush. Don't forget your vehicle's trunk area too. Their Carhartt custom cargo liners not only look great, but keep your rear cargo area and seats protected. Custom fit trunk liners for sedans, coupes, and SUVs are perfect to protect the factory carpets from all those things that can stain and damage the carpets. All your options are quality made, easy to clean, secure to the floor, and look oh so good. Check out Covercraft.com for a variety of styles, colors, and options for your special vehicles. And I've got a very special deal from Cars Yeah! Use the code YEAH21, Y-E-A-H-21, at Covercraft.com, and you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order. That's right, 10% off. Just use the code YEAH21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. American Collectors Insurance. That's who now protects my Porsche Turbo. The one I call my orange crush. They've been protecting vehicles since 1976. With all the time, effort, and money you've put into your classic vehicles, do you know how much you would receive if yours was stolen, damaged, or totaled in an accident or a fire? Your regular auto insurance carriers won't tell you until after the claim, and more than likely, you'll be in for a rude awakening. With an agreed value policy from American Collectors Insurance, you'll be paid your vehicle's full agreed value. No surprises. So don't just hope for a fair claim settlement. Be certain and know exactly what you'll get with an agreed value policy. I shopped around and decided to protect my car with American Collectors Insurance. Give them a call today for a quote at 866 866- 
A-C-I, yeah, that's 866-224-9324. And protect the ones you love. Tell them Mark Green at Cars Yeah sent you. That's American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors, folks just like you and me. All right, we're back. While we were gone, by the way, Bud reminded me he's done a lot more than 60 TV shows. So we'll alter that number as we go through our talk today. I don't even know what it is technically, so I have to go check myself. We have to do an inventory check once a year and go, what did we do this year? What did we do? We're so busy. Well, before we get into all of these shows that you're doing, or just to touch on them, because this is just about a 35, 40-minute show, I want you to share one one little success quote, a mantra, some kind of saying, Bud, that you live your life by. It's a nice way to get the wheels spinning a little bit here on Cars, yeah, so I know you love to drive. Grab the wheel. Yeah, I kind of have to do the PC version of it. I was quoted. I made. I was asked in a magazine like in 2007, 2008 this, and I, I thought long and hard about it. And I don't know why, but I, I came up with them, and I'm kind of known for this quote, which is uh, don't follow your dreams, hunt them down. Because I'm not interested in following my dreams, and I think people you, you can't just you can't succeed if you just sit back and follow something. You have to really, you know, make make a target and go for it and hunt it down. So my my quote for my inspiration, in my life is: Don't follow your dreams, hunt them down. The real version of that is actually a little more explicit and yeah. <laughs> a little more oomph to it. But that, that's the version we'll go for you. We'll do that on the cars, yeah. After dark show. How does that sound? Uh, well, let's dive into that a little bit because what you've done with your life and the the variety of things you've done in your life very much fits this. Your passion for Navy SEALs, the books you've written, and action, and all this kind of crazy stuff. So, talk a little bit about this life you've created for yourself because you're kind of a go getter. I have a feeling. Well, yeah, I don't know if I'm a go-getter. I just, I, I'm a, you know, I, I it tend to take my my hobby, my hobby, my hobbies and my habits and, and my likes and interests and stuff like that, and I end up just gravitating towards them, and I get involved with these groups, and once I'm involved with them, then I figure out how to make TV or make movies or write books about them. I'm always pushing myself uh, to be better and surround myself with powerful people, off-road racers or SEAL team guys or, you know, climbers. So, yeah, it's just I, I my my production business is based around kind of my lifestyle. If I want to go fast, then I'd, I'll, I'll go do some fast stuff. If I want to rescue animals, I'll do something on that. So it's really about stuff that, that interests me and stuff that I like. And, you know, I always go into the office. If I like it or I enjoy it, and I'm, I'm a fairly normal human being, then I think other people are going to like it and enjoy it too. So, and, and those things are fairly extreme. I haven't done anything completely stupid in a couple of years. Uh, my wife, is, uh, uh, she tries to calm me down a little bit and remind me that I'm, I'm, I'm semi-mortal. How's that working for you? No, it's not not good at all. <laughs> it's, it's a lot more. I don't know. I, I I get the feeling I'm about to go do something stupid pretty soon because I've been cooped up like everybody else has. So yeah, it's uh I, I stopped racing um about four years ago to produce a movie called Dust of Glory, but that was right around the same time that I went to Mount Everest and, and started climbing a lot too. So uh, she's definitely not into that anymore. She doesn't want me to, to climb and and uh, and do helicopter rescues in, anymore. So I'm, I'm I'll I'll figure out something stupid to do pretty soon. Mount Everest. I had Tim Medvets. You may be aware of him. He was on a yep. sh- Yeah, I had him on the show not too long ago. Incredible story. And yeah, Mount Everest climbing, that level of climbing, scary stuff. Uh, incredible. Yeah, Tim's amazing what he does with vets and his program. Yeah. And he's a pretty special guy. Very special, for sure. That was a very different kind of Cars Yeah show. Let me ask you this, because television is rapidly adjusting and changing right now. Uh, so much is out there for us to consume to enjoy, to go see. And television is having to kind of alter things a little bit and move around and adjust. Just in the last few years, the way I consume television, the way I go look at things. So talk to us a little bit about your perception of what's going on with TV and where is it going in the next, let's say, three to five years. Well, yeah. So, you know, for us, People, you know, think we're TV producers and we're not. You know, we are content creators, right? And that's really what we are. So how people consume that content doesn't really matter to me. It doesn't matter if it's on a phone or it's on the app, it's on the TV or wherever it's at. I mean, the truth is... It is a it's an amazing place for guys like myself and like you who are custom content makers, right? Because if it was just up to the executives who run radio stations, you wouldn't be on the air. You wouldn't have a platform, right? And neither would I. I wouldn't have a platform and people wouldn't do it. But now there's something unique happening in our industry where people get to vote. Their their individual vote matters, right? So individual downloads, individual fan bases, individual subscriptions matter. And the 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 old uh, I always call it voodoo, right? So I, if any I'll get too deep into it, but 
our industry used to be controlled by by ratings, right? And these ratings were just voodoo numbers, right? And I mean it. They were just absolute crazy voodoo numbers. It would be somebody had – I'm not even joking. I'll, I'll tell everybody. Nielsen ratings at the time – I mean I got a little more sophisticated, but it's not like the subscription-based is now and how – how Netflix can tell how many people watch the first time and how many people cut out and how and where those people are at. I mean, the information and the analog and the analytics we get from our viewers is really shaping what custom content is. Now, sometimes it's bad, like when everybody sits down and watches the Tiger King because they're locked in their house or yeah, the Tiger King and they're locked in their house. You're like scratching your head, going, "What is going on with the planet?" So that's bad, right? Because that's just a train wreck, and I just don't do train wreck stuff. But also, it's really, really good. But back in the old time, they used to have old time, like 15 <laughs> years ago, really. Nielsen ratings were this really strange mathematical formula, which they would give one family, one family, a notebook and a box, and whatever, and they would have to program sometimes just in a diary what they watched and why they watched it, and then that would represent. 240,000 households equivalent across, and then that would get your shares and your ratings, right? And all of your advertisers and all of your ratings, and then my livelihood and the actor's livelihood are all based on that. Just a based, nuts. I mean, and that was, it's nuts, isn't it? Yeah, like four, yeah, four guys. And I'm sure it was fairly scientific for the 50s, 60s, and 70s whenever it was created, but it really wasn't. Now, as custom content creator, people are voting for real. Right? If Karate Kid is good and you, and, you, and you put the right things in there and you're speaking to the past and you're doing homage to Mr. Omagi and you have good storytelling and good acting, people are going to vote. They're going to vote with their eyeballs. They're going to vote with right. their time. And we're all voting with our time. The other big thing is we are consuming content at a far greater rate than ever before because we have the ability. You sit on a train, you watch content. You're sitting at home, you watch content. You're at a doctor's office, you're watching content. Short content, long content, doesn't matter. They're gobbling it up. So it is yeah. a, uh, it's an amazing time to be at the position where I'm at in my career as far as a custom, like a, a well-known custom content creator. So uh, no, I'm excited for the future. It doesn't it doesn't bother me at all. I just have you know you know some smaller networks fall off, and then you got bigger networks coming in. It's just you know the challenge: can you get an Amazon? Can you do Netflix? And who's your contact at Hulu? Can you get in the doors? And do you have what it takes to for real? Because it's interesting. Is we used to have a fallback if it didn't rate, it didn't rate. Now if people don't watch, they don't watch. So you, you have to have the right formula to get people to watch. So that's my long answer. With no cuss words. <laughs> you, you're doing well so far, buddy. I want to see how far we can get here. So you're doing great. I'm really proud of you. I'm, sh- I'm drinking coffee. I'm starting to shake a little bit, but oh, it's okay. No, we'll, hang we'll, with we'll, me. Hang with me. We're going to be okay. So when we look at this year, obviously we just come through a very bizarro world year. This year's still kind of hanging on to that. But what has you excited and fired up about your business this year? Well, yeah, it is is definitely a, a new year, and I think you know last year was a transition year for a lot of for a lot of the media companies, and you know back going backwards to what we just talked about a minute ago, I think that um, the stupid pandemic really accelerated people's viewing habits, right? So when Disney Plus launched in, I mean J- Disney, what a bunch of geniuses! But imagine they launched their their their, their uh, Disney Plus in February of 2020, right? And and so. The world is locked down. Your kids are running around your house. And oh, by the way, we got a massive app for you. And you can watch Mandalorian and all the Disney and Marvel movies. Here you go. Yeah. So it is it really accelerated our habits. It's not only our shopping habits, but you know, a lot of our habits accelerated. Without that pandemic, yeah, a lot of things have a lot of things got crushed, which is horrible. The restaurant industry and other industries have got crushed. Live entertainment. Yeah, live entertainment. Yeah, absolutely. Ouch. Yeah, live entertainment and concerts and I mean, you know, races and you know all the stuff. I'm going to a NASCAR race hopefully at the end uh, in March at the end of this month or right at the beginning of March. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but content um, has accelerated the way we deliver it. Yeah, and the way we do our meetings and stuff like that. So you know, a lot of things got really comfortable and got had a reason. Sometimes all you need a reason is to change the norm, and then magically you can get groceries delivered to your house, or you you stop shopping at in malls and you start delivering. I mean that that's a that's a whole. We thought malls were on the deathbed slow crawl toward the deathbed before the pandemic? I don't know now. (laughs) Mass acceleration uh, has happened to them. As I I live in a cul-de-sac with nine houses, and I think the Amazon Prime truck drives up my street at least three to four times a day. 
a little oh, yeah. cul-de-sac. It's just there's another one. Uh, Jeff Bezos has uh, definitely benefited greatly by this pandemic. Uh, many people have. So are there some things that you're firing up this year that you're doing? Because I know one of the things you love is racing, off-road racing. I grew up in Southern California. I had friends or parents who did some of that Baja 500, Baja 1000. I did a little pre-run actually when I was in high school with a guy in the Baja 500, and I thought I was going to die the whole time. Uh, and I like going fast in cars, but that even at that age beat me up. Oh, oh. Yeah. Oh, holy cow. I didn't like not being at the wheel. That's for sure. So let's do this. Let's talk a little bit about your racing passion. What is it about racing you love so much? Are you going to be able to do any of that yourself? Are you still involved with that? Or is that another thing your wife has chopped off a little bit? My wife hasn't chopped off anything. So let's not say that. <laughs> okay. um, you know, she, she sometimes is the voice of reason for, for me. And she's, hey, you know, because you know, once I, I won the Baja 1000, I did a class win in 2012. My wife is like, you need to stop then, right? Well, what else are you doing? You're going to you achieve that. That's what my goal was for almost, uh, you know, eight or nine years racing. And I wanted to do that. No, I, I still race. I'm, I'm going down, I believe in April, going to go down and pre-run a little bit and, uh, and race down there. We still produce it. I'm still involved with score and doing all the media part of it. Nice. So, you know, things are very, very good with, with what we're doing in off-road racing. You know, my involvement with off-road racing kind of started as, I started really getting into sport car racing, right? So I love racing vintage cars. I love racing Corvettes. Obviously, I just watched the 24 Hours of Daytona this weekend. I was kind of watching uh, the GTLM uh, classes and stuff like that. Yeah. So I like it. But, you know, it, there was still something not there for me when I was racing that stuff. It was, it was a little too sophisticated, a little too highbrow uh, for me, right? Because I'm, I'm not really a champagne guy. I'm more of a beer guy. And then I got introduced uh, by a company called BF Goodrich to uh, the Baja 1000. And I was uh, entered into a celebrity race. And oh my God, I, it was just, it's just, it's just another planet. And you're down there and you, and it is a, it is the the mixture of everything that I love. It's fighting, it's logistics, it's war. You know, you got to be smart, you got to be fast, you got to be smooth, um, you got to be tough. Endurance racing, it's it's everything that kind of embodies what my life is about, which is, you know, everything at full speed, processing information, death on one corner over here, sophistication over here, learning to break, you know, your car breaks down, you got to fix it. I mean, it's all the things like, okay, I'm built for this. I have, I have, I have some tools, right? Right. Sport car racing. Yeah, I love it. And it's awesome. And, and those guys are great. But if you break down, you're not stuck in the middle of the desert for 12 hours and you build a bonfire like you don't have matches in your boot. At, at 24, <laughs> no, at 24, no, not in a sports car. <laughs> no, You're driving a Lamborghini. You're not you're not thinking sat phone matches, uh, you know, survival. You're just like, oh, I, I broke my Lamborghini. Right. Yeah. <laughs> whole other whole other planet. Right. So I enjoy things with consequences. Right. So I have a short attention span. So uh, if it doesn't really have consequences, I'm not really interested. I like that. There's a quote. I'm going to write that one down. Well, SCORE, I mean, there's an organization that's been around forever. I had Sal Fish on my show years ago, of course, the king of that, you know, the guy that kind of part of the beginning of that whole thing. So love Sal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk about a challenge. I asked all my guests this question. I want you to share a huge challenge you've had. This could be in your career, your life, could even be a massive failure. But the real reason for this question, what did it teach you and how did you move through it in a positive way? So take us on a little journey. I have a feeling it's going to be a fun one. I don't know. You're pretty organized. I'm not sure if I'm up for all these questions. I'm not sure if I've had any failures or, or challenges to me. Oh, uh, come on. Um, Everybody's had it. You, my friend, with the stuff you've done, you've definitely had some challenges. I'm not saying you didn't overcome them. I'm just saying name one or talk about one that was really, really set you back. I love the fact that you came out of it. And I love the attitude that you have, but we all have challenges and you do stuff that is fraught with challenge. Off-road racing, come on. Yeah, but um, I guess challenge is a good way. But when you throw the word failure in there, see, for me. <laughs> I know, most people don't like that word. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah I'm not going to rise out of the ash. It's, here's the thing. I, I always go towards, I, I go towards things with challenges in it, right? But I don't look at them as like, oh my, you know, how do my, I, I always view it. It has to have a lot of logistical challenge. It has to have these and that, that gets us going. Let's sit down and break down the problem. We can do this. And that, you know, uh, a lot of the stuff that the military guys who I spent a lot of time with will teach you is that logistical challenge like okay we have a mission we have our mission and goal we want safety we want to keep people alive here's how we have to do it you do safety checks you build and all this other stuff so you know i think everyday business is a challenge but i'm really kind of wired to overcome all of that the reason why if you you want someone to put on a race on the moon you hire me and i'll figure out how to put a race on the moon i mean i don't know i'll just I'll, we'll get cars there and we'll get gas there or whatever's going to work on the moon i know you know i get it 
propulsion doesn't work works differently up there with zero gravity. I understand that. Don't don't send me letters. But <laughs> yeah, it's it, I, it's not something that like oh boy God, there's a whole there's a huge challenge. Every week there's a challenge in my business in what we do, right? You know, the pandemic was a huge challenge. I, pre- I pre- was in the middle of producing this huge show for Discovery Channel. The pandemic hit, and then we had to kind of. Uh, you know, refigure out, rewrite the script, redo stuff because we had celebrities that weren't going to come out. Certain people weren't tra- traveling. Stuff was happening. So, but you know, that's to me, that's just morning coffee, right? What is? What are we? What are we facing today? <laughs> You're the first uh, guy just, who just, said the pandemic equates to morning coffee. <laughs> listen, the pandemic was awesome for me because guys like me survive. You look at that, and you know, you can put your head in the sand and say, "Oh my God, it's a pandemic." And I looked at it as, okay, so how how can we thrive in this environment? What a, what a unique opportunity. And what I mean by that is, is what a unique opportunity where everything is stripped away from you. Your employees are all gone. Everybody's business is shut down. And I need to start from scratch. And so really what I did, and I have a couple really you know close friends and partners, and I started making calls and started talking to people. We started creating content based around the pandemic. Okay, well, if you're at home working on your car, let's do a show on that. Well, how are we going to do that? Okay, well, I'll figure it out. We started creating interesting production ways to get cameras certain places. And we were teaching people how to set up cameras and send a signal. So, I mean... I don't know. You know, life life is a challenge, but it's definitely not daunting. It's 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 exciting to overcome all that. So none of it scares me. None of it is facing failure. It's just, you know, you only fail when you don't try. There you go. You're full of great quotes today. And we've got almost halfway through the show and not one four-letter word. I'm very proud of you. Oh, there was a bunch of four-letter words in there, just none of my favorites. <laughs> there you go. Let's take a short break. We come back. I want to dive into your personal passion for cars and all the other wild and crazy things you do. So sit tight. Keep your seatbelts on. We'll be right back. Today's vehicles are essentially computers on wheels, and it takes more than a wrench and oil to keep them humming. That's why Cars Yeah! supports TechForce Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to driving tomorrow's workforce of skilled technicians forward. Techs keep our cars, trucks, airplanes, and fleets rolling. Yet there's a massive tech shortage because many young people don't know it's no longer a blue-collar job. Today, it's a new-collar career. It involves computers, technology, it's in high demand, you get paid really well, and you can live and work anywhere in the country. I know you're passionate about cars, trucks, and motorcycles, and you can help pass that passion on to the next generation of techs so our rides keep rolling down the road. Visit techforce.org today and learn how. Hey, fellow inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Did you know if you subscribe at carsdad.com, I'll send you my free filler up book. It's an ebook filled with fuel filler fun and inspirational quotes from past guests here on Cars Yeah. Plus, you'll get a weekly wrap up email from me every Friday and your name will be in the hat for one of the many free giveaways here at Cars Yeah. Simply go to CarsYeah.com and click on the free book button and boom, you're in the club. And don't forget to subscribe to Cars Yeah on your mobile podcast app and you'll get the Cars Yeah show delivered right to your mobile device every day, absolutely free. Inspiring automotive enthusiasts, that's what we're all about. Here at Cars, yeah. Thanks for listening. All right, bud, we are back. I want you to share with me this passion you have for cars and going fast. You mentioned off-road racing, uh, vintage racing, which I used to do for many years, road racing I used to do. I mean, it's so much fun. What was that pivotal moment in your life when you knew that you were pretty much a car guy? Oh, boy, that it was pretty much a car guy. You know, I was fortunate to grow up in the – in the in the 70s and the 80s right and i don't really even understand i was a car guy and i think you you can't if you grew up in that era and that's you know right after the pony car wars and the muscle car wars and all the other stuff that they were coming out you can't grow up in that area say i really got it from my brother and my father and the time that they grew up because it was nothing for a trans am a mustang a mach one i used to see a shelby when i was growing up they're all just driving around and you don't understand until you hit here's here's the important thing you don't understand until you hit like 1985, right? And this is where the curse words are going to start flying. Uh-oh. Hold on. You, don't understand. <laughs> you hit 1985 and you see all the crappy cars that they put out. You're like scratching your head going, what happened? That was really cool back then when I just – I grew up in this era. What is this? Like I don't understand what that is. And like right. all the cars, all the design, no power. I mean the Corvettes had – 280 horsepower, 210 horsepower. They were terrible at that time. The 80, yeah, the 83 Corvettes were terrible. 
so, you know, you kind of you start figuring out that you grew up in a cool time and, and then you start diving into like little, you know, you grew up in one of the greatest times. I mean, the 50s were amazing, but the 60s, the 67, 68, 69, 70, um, I, I go down and I like to have a battle with everybody and I always battle people like this. But 1969 for our era car, right? And I'm not talking Harley Earl when he was designing stuff and, you know, in, in, the, in the atomic era in 1959, 10 years later after Harley Earl was doing all that, right? Uh, 69 was absolutely the greatest time for car design, right? If you you really can't name Amy Dodge was a little bit behind and Plymouth is a little behind. They're like 70, 71. But you look at 69 Camaro, 69 Firebird, 69 Mustang. You're like, oh, my God, those cars are great. 69 Roadrunners. I mean, all those – you start clicking off what was going on in 69. You're like, oh. And by the way, we're back in it now. You have Hellcats and you have Shelbys and you look at what we have. And it took a long time. And you got to remember, I remember there's a guy at Ford. Ford was the leader back then in the Pony Car Awards. And then Pony, uh, Ford was the leader now. There's a guy at Ford named Jay Mays who really understood. And in 2005 when he brought back the Mustang because – you know, the Fox body Mustang is amazing. It's great. And those guys have a place, but I think he understood and he really did. Cause when he brought out back the Mustang, you bring back that, that core It's like, wait a minute, you got to bring. And then what happened a year and a half later, here comes the Camaro and the Dodge comes right behind. And, and, uh, you know, Ralph Shields came out and he, after, after he designed the 300, he, he did the challenger. Like all of a sudden we have, we have passion again. We have passion and design and you can feel it and you have horsepower and yeah, there's very, you know, a few short few of us have have some of the Hellcats and the, and the red eyes and stuff like that. But aren't those cool to see and smell and, and you hear them go by and you're like, oh, man, those are just it's passion again. So we're in it again. So I, I don't know. It's not really it's not a petrol head and it's not, you know, I'm not a car guy. I just appreciate power and design and art and beauty. And if you sit back and you look at a, a 1970, I'm looking at one right now, you look at 1978. Trans Am. It's just so nice. The artwork and the beauty and the thought and the styling, right? And that's missing a lot uh, in, in all aspects of life. You know, what those guys put into it. So I don't know. I've, I've been a car guy uh, a lot. I, I own a lot of cars. I like to race them. I like to break them. I like to build them. I, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's, it's just cool. Absolutely. And you think about the Bronco just finally coming out as a retro vehicle again and all the excitement around that vehicle. You go back to the 60s, the 70s, the Bronco. Right. So even off-road vehicles. Well, let's talk about cars. You have cool cars. You've had lots of cool cars. You've driven lots of cool cars. What's one really special car in your life? And maybe take us on a little memory ride in that vehicle. (laughs) A memory ride in my in in one cool car that I have in my life. Something that really stands out for you. Hmm. I could send you photos and footage of that. (laughs) Um which fun. okay, I'll 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 give it to you. It's fun. I, I have it now. Um, okay. So a, a very good friend of mine was Burt Reynolds' manager ten years ago, or 10, 15 years ago, mm-hmm. um, whatever it was. And he called me and said, "Hey, you know, Burt wants to contact Pontiac, and he wants to do a design cue and do something, you know, and put out a new a new Pontiac Trans Am." And I and I I told him I said, "Well, I I got bad news for you. Pontiac's <laughs> going away. Pontiac's gone. Yeah." <laughs> no longer so that's going to be kind of difficult yeah. but i had a really and i still do i have a really good friend in in georgia he runs a company called year one and i said but i think the thing to do is to take bert and do a retro kind of resto mod bandit and release it right yeah. there's enough of us smoking the bandit guys who have out there and played the stock market and sold some real estate or whatever they whatever they've done positive in their life with it i think if um bert wants to get some publicity and make some money and have some fun, right? If that's the thing you want to, you know what, you want to kick that around. I think you got to meet these guys, right? So we flew to Georgia, um, me and Bert and Eric, was his manager's name. He's a really good friend of mine. Great guy. And we met with Kevin King from year one and we kind of put this plan together to make these year one bandits, right? I I technically don't even know how many they made, right? So that, but, and and they are over the top. I mean, massively over the top. Anybody who just look them up, just put year one, Band one, band two, and band three. And then I do what I do, right? So I went out and said, okay, wait a minute. I got a super cool car company. I got the one of the biggest stars in the planet, Burt Reynolds. I, we're we're going to do something based around the bandit. Like, okay, so I, I built a TV show based around it. It's called Celebrity Rides. I just came up. It just actually went, launched on Discovery Plus. And that's not a plug. I'm just telling you it just happened the yeah, other day. There you go. 
And so we, I sold them a show called Burt Builds the Bandit. And they're like, what do you guys? Like, we got Burt Reynolds. We're going to build these cars. Anyhow, so we did it, right? Yeah. We found We got a whole bunch of old Trans Ams, rebuilt them. And then we ended up, which was, he almost killed himself. So it was a premature death. It could have been. So we ended up building uh, a Band 3 for him, an LS9, like a 700 horsepower LS9. Uh, with a six-speed transmission, and it is insane sounding. And we were shooting the last scene on the top of the Peterson Museum, right? And you know, I got to put myself in his shoes, so to speak. And I, he, I, I, we put him in the car. I say, Bert, you know, this car is pretty powerful. And he looked at me. And you got to remember, that car came out with like 280 or 300 right, yeah, horsepower. Yeah, maybe 300 horsepower. Yeah. No, nothing. This one's got like 700, and it is ridiculous. So, yeah, I understand when you're when you're Bert Reynolds and you're on the set of the movie and you drop it in first gear and stab the throttle, you can do a nice little cute little burnout. And and I don't mean that in any way disparaging, but right. this thing that we built for him was 10 times that. It's unbelievable. Stick to the ground and just launch you. And he goes, yeah, don't worry. I can handle it. And when Bert tells you, you got like, okay, okay, you're, you're, you're. Now you're in the top of the Peterson in the parking lot there up there, right? Where you're, yeah, you yeah. Get, where you can launch down onto the street. Oh yeah, yeah no, he's going to, yeah, he's going to kill 14 people on the street for sure. But he just tells you he can, he can handle it. Like I can handle it. Says, okay, you're, you're, you're Bert effing Reynolds. So I guess you can do it. Yep. That's right. Bert, go for it. So he gets in it and he hits the throttle and we're like, oh no, he's going off the edge for sure. He's going off the edge. So, and then, so I, I think, I think Kevin was probably in the car with him. Like he probably popped it out of gear or wowed it down or something. Cause he hit the throttle. He's like, holy macro. And he's like, yeah, you were right. That thing's really powerful. Like, yeah. <laughs> Probably a bad place to test drive the car for the first time is on the roof of the Peterson. Yeah. It's kind of like back on uh, Fiat did this. There was another car company in the United States that had this, but Fiat used to have, used to have a test track on the top. Building. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, I've seen pictures of that. Eight floors up and go around. It was yeah. kind of the same mindset. You're like, we're going to go do burnouts up there with Burt, right? Well, the so, Fiats didn't have 700 horsepower either, so maybe they were a little bit more tame. And I think it was a bit, it had like a 33-degree bank, so yeah. it was fine. But what a unique, cool place to put a track. But that's that's a fun story with Burt. So, I ended up getting the car, you know, once Bert passed away and I, with Kevin and I, we, we were at work it. So I have the car here with me and it is, nice. you know, but everything on the car is redone. I mean, it's got a roll cage on it. It's got, you know, it's got new suspension, new Corvette suspension, LS9 motor, brand new wheels. I mean, huge tires, new, it's, it's unbelievable. And it was on the cover of Hot Rod Magazine. We did a, this whole, uh, if you pull it up, you can look at it right there on the cover of Hot Rod Magazine. Because every kid, when we're all growing up, right, I used to have them stapled to my wall. My dad would come and yell at me because I'm just, my dad would come and paint the walls. And like idiot kids, we just take a staple and we're chunk, chunk. He's like, what's that noise? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing, <laughs> like, dad. Yeah. And we're just stapling stuff to the walls. Uh, and I always had Hot Rod Magazine. So this car was on the cover of Hot Rod Magazine. I think it had a couple cases of Coors beer behind it just as a fun little homage. But yeah, that's the cover car. So I have that in my in my office. Nice. I love it. Well, here's a question nobody's ever asked you. I can almost guarantee you. If you woke up tomorrow, bud, and you were a car, not what you want to be. This is your personality, which is quite wonderful. Manifest as a vehicle. What would bud be? But more importantly, why? Hmm. I told you nobody's ever asked you this. So if I woke up tomorrow as a car, right? Like, uh, yeah, you like, manifest as a car. And again, it's not what you want to be. It's your personality, which you have a very flamboyant, fun personality for sure. So this has got to be something I'm guessing a little wild, crazy, pretty fast. Uh, or do we get the softer, gentler side of Bud Bretzman? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. It won't be. It won't, definitely won't be that. Yeah, the the answer is going to be pretty simple, right? Because okay. the single greatest vehicle on the planet is probably what I would want to be, right? If I could be one car, if I was only left with one car in the world, it would be a trophy truck, right? And the reason why I'd be a trophy truck is because I could go anywhere. I could do anything. I'll never be stuck. I'm faster than almost anything I don't, on land or on thing. It doesn't really matter. And, you know, your your Ferraris and, and your little sports cars and all your supercars and hypercars are a little dainty. Uh, <laughs> trophy trucks are not dainty whatsoever. I can work on it. I could help people. I could pull people out. I could, you know, go get things. I could carry stuff in the bed yeah. of the truck. I have passengers. So for me, you know, the, the all-purpose – you know, Armageddon vehicle, doomsday vehicle would be a trophy truck. Okay. I kind It'd of, have to be all black. It'd be all black. All, yeah, <laughs> I think that fits your personality. All right, we're up to the checkered flag. You've been here many times being on racetracks. The white flag's out, checkered flag's in the distance. I'm going to ask you some very quick questions, kind of lightning round. I'm going to get some very quick answers 
So here we go. What's one of your personal habits, bud, that you believe has contributed to your many successes in life? Working out, taking care of my body. If you got to take care of your body, I mean, your body is important. I mean, so I want to, uh, this is not a lightning round things, but I want to give you something for your, uh, your guys to think about, right? Okay. And this is important because I've, I've worked a lot on this theory and I, and I deal with it all the time. I deal with my own father, right? So too many people in our industry, in the automotive industry, can tell you, you know, the the fuel consumption of a vehicle and why that vehicle will run better um, with certain levels of fuel, right? The octane of the fuel, the atmospheric pressure, and it does this. I mean, they can do it, but they have to apply, but they don't apply that same knowledge to their bodies, yep, right? Exactly. My dad can tell you the fuel mixture, what makes that car run good, but then he'll go home and eat like a crappy sandwich or something like that. It's like, you understand that that logic's the same, right? So I think taking care of yourself, or if you want to run, if you want to be, you know, you want to be a, a machine and you want to be able to work long hours and always be there and always on your toes, you got to take care of yourself too. And I do a lot of, you know, retrospective thinking when I'm training and working and fighting and wrestling and swimming and whatever I decide to do, I, I end up doing, you know, obviously something pretty stupid and extreme or, tra- <laughs> you know, tra- training, you know, training for a climb or something like that. Sure. So taking care of myself is, is, is that is the answer to that question. But my my fuel theory, I want people to think about that. I want you to be able to think like apply the same exact knowledge of what goes into your car yep. that goes into your body. Right. It's the same thing. It's a brilliant deduction. And I've had this conversation with many people. Why would you buy extra special fuel, oil, lubricants, tires, all the things you put in your vehicle and then you eat crappy food? and put all that into your body. Yeah, it's it's a brilliant analogy. Hopefully it'll get some listeners out there that might be doing that to think a little bit about how they're treating themselves. If I could wave a magic wand and arrange you to have a drink or arrange for you to have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive industry, living or someone who's passed, who would it be? Oh, you're not going to like my answer. Um, <laughs> there, there's not too many icons that I haven't had a drink with or had a meal with that I, that I, as I sat there growing up in Wyoming, that I thought were a fantasy, you know, and there were hundreds of them. I mean, hundreds, it doesn't really matter. I, I sit, you know, with Carol Shelby and Burt Reynolds and Robert Peterson, you know, I've had, I've had been very fortunate to meet. It's really because of my industry. I don't know if they all really want to hang out with me, but they, you know, they kind of, they, they tolerate me like you do because I do TV. So that kind of <laughs> helps me out a little bit. But if I had to sit down and, and think about one person, yeah, you know, I, I, I have it because I haven't met him. He died. Yeah, he died before I met him. Um, so I would say um, Henry Ford II, the deuce. The second, yeah. And why the second versus the first? Yeah, I don't know because, you know, um, the deuce took over from his grandfather right in the middle of World War II. So he brought Ford Motor Company through World War II, and then he brought us into this amazing era, right? He grew Ford Motor Company to what it is, right, without the deuce and his – his uh, his leadership and you know his his he's he's a pretty big icon. I mean, yeah, Henry Ford was amazing, and I you know I'd love to sit down with him also because of his connection with history and what he's done with Thomas Edison and Firestone and and Greenwood Village. If you haven't been there, you got to go because Greenwood Village is amazing. But you know the Deuce, and not really because of the movie, because nobody you know nobody knew who the Deuce was before the movie. But the Deuce to me was reading about him and understanding who he was and how he had to take over and what they did for the war and all that other stuff. It's, you know, it's an an interesting thing. I'd like to sit down and kind of pick his brain. He was a very powerful guy at the time. Absolutely. Yeah. Great choice. You know, I think there's only been one other person that has mentioned his name. Henry Ford's number one, but uh, the deuce. Yeah. I think you and maybe one other person, which kind of surprises me, but uh, makes sense to me. Hold on. You know what my son's name is? (laughs) What's your son's name? Deuce. Deuce. I love it. There you go. Very good. Let me ask you this. What's the best automotive advice someone else ever offered to you? Could be racing, could be automotive. The best automotive device. Advice. Advice. Yeah, advice. Yeah. Yeah, advice. Yeah. Someone's offered to me. Yeah. Uh, it might be in racing. I mean, off road racing, um, there's a BF Goodrich executive who told me, uh, and, and, there's many little crazy sayings down in Mexico, but it's really, it sounds crazy, but it, it's life-saving in a lot of sense, but it's just drive what you can see. You know, down in Mexico, we, we, uh, we drive our, we drive, <clears throat> we drive in elements, we drive in the dust, we drive in the fog, we drive at night and you can drive what you can see. I mean, and, and that, that'll end up saving your life because you're doing a hundred miles an hour through the dust. It, you, you, it's going to end bad. I promise you. Right. <laughs> so oh, yeah. it's, it's, you know, drive what you can see is, is, is a really good moniker for what we do down there in Mexico. Yeah. You know, it's great just for being on the street and uh, crazy fools that drive way too fast on the street that overdrive. 
everything, especially at night. Drive what you can see. I like that. That's another great quote from you today, bud. You're full of them. I didn't yeah. say you're full what? of it. I said you're full of them. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> how, how about a great go-to resource? Is there one for you? It's, this could be a website, a supplier, an app, a person. Kind of a go-to that you go to all the time that you'd like to share. Something you found valuable. In life or just Anything. in the automotive? In, in the automotive? Anywhere. Business, automotive, life. Doesn't matter. I can tell you. It's, it's almost impossible. Yeah, I can tell you. This is funny. Um <laughs> I mean, you know, a lot of us, you know, start out as tinkers, right? We like to tinker. We like to fix stuff, right? So for me, and this is not a plug, I'm not getting paid by them, but you can literally almost find out how to fix anything on YouTube, right? Yeah, if it's yeah. broke, you just Google it and go, okay, I'm going to go over here. I'm going to, I'm going to put some stuff. Okay. Oh, that's how he did it. Oh, there's a spring there. Cause we used to have to like, you know, like if you're taking off a door panel, you have to break two or three of them to figure out like, oh, that's how they that's come how off. you remove you those clips. Yeah. <laughs> Now I got it, right? Yeah. I mean, you're not, you know, you're an expert after you, if you break like 14 of them, you got to go find them and replace them. But right. if you just figure out, just have a, t this is a tad bit of humility and just nobody's watching. All right. I mean, I mean, yeah, probably Zuckerberg and the other guys are watching you Google, <laughs> but that's the whole other issue. Um, nobody's really watching you. It's not embarrassing. Just Google it and yeah. figure it out. They'll tell you a little, you know, an expert, these guys don't even charge you anything. There's like, Hey, I have a couple tips for you. Right. Do this, do this and do this. And magically you get to fix stuff. Yeah. Right. Instead of just having your blender and 15 pieces on the, on the kitchen counter going, God, I wish I didn't do that. Just Google it and it'll tell you how to do it. So Google is a uh, not Google, but YouTube is a really good resource because we all like to help each other. Right. Yeah. And if I have a hard time fixing something, these guys are, have, you know, they, they make they make a living on it. They just go, hey, by the way, I got a quick tip for you. Do these two things and you'll be able to fix that real quick. So I, you know, not the smartest guy in the world, but I can look it up and I'll figure it out and I can fix anything now. Yeah, YouTube's insane. I can't believe the things you can find there. Now, I know you've written some books. I always ask my guests for a book suggestion, recommendation. Is there one or two you could offer to us? <laughs> yeah, I've written three books. It was all on the same subject, and that was more um, that was more just a big middle finger to my English teachers and stuff like that because I was a <laughs> terrible student. So I really just wanted to say I was an author. I know that sounds really uh, vapid and horrible, um, but I, I was a terrible, terrible student. And my English teachers, you know, as they is, you know, I, I grew up in a different time. Um, and you know, they used to berate you and like, you're going to, you're going to be a dumb welder. They're like, they're like berating me and yelling because I can't spell and I'm doing all this stuff. And they're like, you just got to go learn how to cook. Cause there's no way you're getting a real job in your life. So, um, when I started producing stuff and I had an abundance of research and abundance of interviews and stuff like that, I decided to sit down uh, uh, with an author. And I, I mean, I, I saw the contract the other day. I made a deal with uh, Penguin uh, Publishing back when that was a huge thing. And we did a series of books and I still have a bunch of them now. But it was, that's that's an amazing book uh, or set of books that I did. So I, I wrote a book called The Complete History of the Navy Seals, and it's a three volume set. So there's the you know World War II, which is kind of the beginning of the world World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and, and then present day. It's a three volume set, and there's also a single book that comes out, and like a huge 400 page gigantic wow. book. You know, people read. So it was you know a lot of years, a lot of time uh, putting that together. But I, again, I, I did it just a as a fun fun thing to to beat my teachers over the head with. <laughs> And it had to be really big and thick, so it hurt. Yeah, no kidding. Are you a, a fan of Jocko, uh, who does the podcast? Yeah, I enjoy listening to him. I just bought his. So Jocko's got two books, right? He, I just bought his two books. So if you have kids, here's the thing. Um, and I haven't read them yet, so I can't recommend them. But I bought them for my son, so I can recommend them. I just bought two. He, he has children's books, right? So yeah. you have this amazing SEAL team guy who's completely motivated. He's a, he's a total badass. And... I, I bought the – and he wrote these two children's books, you know, The yeah. Warrior Way of the Kids and stuff like that. I, I have the name of them and I can look them up. But uh, I, I recommended those. I'll recommend those books because yeah. I bought them for my son. So those are those are pretty cool. A real book you should – you know, a friend of mine wrote a book. Um, it's called Lone Survivor. Go grab that book. And if you get a chance, grab uh, – um, American Sniper uh, with Chris Kyle. You should read that book. You know, today is the anniversary of his death. And, you know, he, he was a unfortunate victim of PTSD, even though he didn't have it, but he got killed by another veteran who was suffering from PTSD. So I think really today we should, you know, go get Americans, go get American Sniper or watch the movie for Chris Kyle. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, incredible person there and lone survivor. And I'll make sure to put links to uh, Jocko's books as well and to Bud's books, uh, The Complete History of Navy Seals. Very, very cool. Take that, teachers.
bad teachers, bad teachers. All right. We're off to the checkered flag. We're almost there, buddy. Uh, you've been there before because you've raced before. I'm going to buy you a very cool collector car today. That's what I do for all my guests. But there are some rules to my game that might make this challenging for you. One is you can't sell it to fund your next project. You have to keep it. You have to drive it and enjoy it. But here's the kicker. You have to get rid of all your cars. It's the only one collector car you can have. So you have an option. You can keep whatever one car you might want to keep. And I don't have to spend a penny on you today. Or I'm going to write, I think, a pretty hefty check. So what am I buying for you today, bud? Okay, wait. This is another one of your one another one of your wacky fantasy games. Like I wake up and I'm I'm technically an automobile. Now you're going to buy me. <laughs> now I'm going to buy that- you a collector car. Yes, any car in the world. Something fun, something to enjoy. But that's why I say there's rules because I want you to enjoy it. I don't want a garage queen, but I have a feeling you don't believe in those kind of things. So, well, there's only two. That's a simple question for me. Okay. It's always, but there's only two. I wonder how you distinguish between the two. I'm going to help you with that. Why do you, uh, so I'll, I'll, uh, you tell me the two and then I'll help you decide. How's that? Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Yep. Yep. So, uh, Carol Shelby's 1958, a Lamar winning, um, Aston Martin, Ooh. um, is one, right? Yeah. And then, um, I'd have to pry the other one out of, out of Ralph Lauren's hand, but he's got a 1937 type 57 Atlantique, uh, yeah. Bugatti Atlantique, all yeah. black. Yep. Which is probably the most one of the most stunning cars I've ever seen. Titanium build, got the ridge down the back. I think technically there was three or four of them made, and I might have screwed up the year, but I think it's I think it's a 1937 yeah um, Bugatti Atlantique. So yeah. those are those are the two. Okay, now you, boy, this is interesting because those are two very very extremely different vehicles. So having got to know you a little bit better today, the Bugatti is beautiful. It's like a piece of art, right? But I have a feeling you'd break it. Oh, yeah. No, I would break it. I just have a feeling. So I think we're going to have to go with uh, Carol's Aston Martin because it's a racer, but it's got that elegance about it. It's got history. It goes fast. It's fun. I can't imagine driving that Bugatti really very fast except in a straight line. I think you need that 58 Aston Martin. Did I do okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm good by that. You're good by, yeah, no kidding. Yeah, that's fine, Mark. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's pretty fantastic. Ralphie's car, uh, he's got some nice cars, that's for sure. Um, he's got yeah. one of the best. If you, if you study his collection, uh, he makes us mere mortals seem like idiots, right? Because we start building cars, and then you start looking at his car, you're like, you have, you have Fangio's, Ferraris? Like, he start, that guy understood provenance before any of us were even paying attention. I mean, that guy, not not stuff like that he's his his cars are unbelievable well he did and he got wealthy at a time when the cars were i won't say affordable but they were way more affordable than they are now and i don't think the collecting was quite the same back then so he was able to pick and choose to be careful and of course he's a genius when it comes to design so yeah he's got a pretty special collection there but uh yeah i think we'll go with the aston martin i think old shell would be smiling about that choice so there you go Bud, this has been interesting, and I'm my hat's off to you, buddy. You stayed clean the whole show. So, oh uh, no, I stuck in a three-letter word. Ah, uh, that's okay. We can put away with those. Chris, my uh, my technical listener there, I think he's okay with that. We'll see. Otherwise, he'll send me an email like he always does. So, uh, Chris, I think he did. Chris, you don't even know how hard this was for Bud today. So. Very you should very write good. him a thank you note. You've taken me on an awesome ride today, my friend. This has been so much fun. Uh, I want to thank Cynthia in your office there for putting this together. She did a great job. So hats off to uh, Cynthia Wharton. Before I let you go, though, offer me one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance about life, about driving, about fun, and before you head into the sunset in that beautiful 58 Aston Martin. I could give you more wisdom. I gave you a lot of wisdom. So this whole thing was full of wisdom and, and stuff like that. You're so a, you're um, a gold mine of wisdom today, bud. <laughs> gold mine of wisdom. You know, I don't. I don't have that many. I think it's important. You have to. I want to go back to it. You got to have a good foundation. So the the thing is, don't follow your dreams. Hunt them down. Yeah. Right. That's the only wisdom I have. Yeah. Nothing is going to be handed to you. If you want something, you have to go get it. Anybody who tells you be patient and you know hang around, they're lying to you. Yeah. Right. Hunt it down. <laughs> Go get it. Hunt it down. Words of the day. I love it. So as you set off in your day-to-day listeners, hunt it down. Don't sit around and wait. What's the best way for people to learn more about you and follow you in your world if they can even keep up? 
Well, we have our uh, Instagram page, BCII Productions. Um, we have a Facebook page. We're pretty active on on social media for sure. Twitter is under BCII Productions. We and I have my personal my personal page, uh, Facebook page too. But we post all of our weekly because we have so much going on. We have a Battle Builders Marathon coming up this week, which is actually tonight. There's a Battle Builders Marathon on uh, SEMA's YouTube page, and then this weekend we are launching the Battle the 2020 Battle of the Builders. We we're able to pull off the production in the middle of the pandemic. And that's on History Channel. Tomorrow night is the premiere of our show called Fixers, which is on BYU TV. And that's something I'm very, very proud of. We built a, uh, a learning center in the middle of Arkansas for some underprivileged kids in Arkansas. Wow, that's awesome. So, yeah, we did a whole computer center, a learning center, rebuilt the whole place at a playground. I have a show called The Fixers where we go around the world and we, create, and we help people that are in need. And we built a hospital in Cambodia. And, uh, oh, wow a riding horse therapy ranch in Bulgaria. So we've done a lot of interesting stuff with that show. So that one airs, I don't know, I could go on on just promoting our stuff. So the best thing is go to our social media. You'll see weekly what we have coming out. I'll make sure I put links to all of this on Bud Shono's page on the Car Show website. If you can, keep up with Bud Brutzman. Good luck. Good luck. Hunt it down. Bud, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your amazing life with the Cars Yow listeners. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you down the road. You can do a thank you sign-off thing here if you like to do that kind of stuff. I can? You can. I can cuss or not? No. <laughs> no, <I don't. laughs> no. Thanks, everybody. I appreciate it. Thanks for the time. This was fun. Thanks for keeping it clean, my friend. I appreciate that. Did you know that Cars yeah is in the top 1% of all podcasts based on listenership, according to Libsyn, the premier RSS feed for podcasts in the United States? That's right. And Cars yeah is the only five-day-a-week automotive-focused podcast for you to get your message into the ears of thousands of listeners daily from all over the world. Plus, DuPont Registry recommended Cars yeah is one of their top 10 car podcasts for you to enjoy. Cars yeah has experienced tremendous growth, plus your ads are evergreen, meaning they never go away. And more and more listeners find Cars yeah every day for their daily dose of automotive inspiration. Do you want to expose your brand to a highly targeted list of automotive enthusiasts in a very unique and very personal way? Well, I can help you. Contact me, Mark Green, at mark at carsyeah.com or through the website at carsyeah.com today to learn more. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.